Hello and welcome to Rollbound. My name is Chas and I am the DM for this wonderful group. We're going to go down the list and everyone introduce themselves. Starting off with Groove. Introduce yourself. Hello. I am Groove and I am bound to the role of Chrono Harris Mobius. Alrighty, and Allie. Hello, I am Allie. I am bound to the role of Charybdis Mobius. Alrighty, Minnow. Hello, my name is Minnow. I am bound to the role of Lady Reverie. Awesome, awesome. Mickey. Hi, I'm Mickey, and I'm bound to the role of Maria. And last but never least, Joey. My name is Joey, and I am bound to the role of Winfrey McNeil. All I can do. Save what I can. And we will never agree. And he is going to find the rest of the party. Yeah, I think at this point is when the meeting that Charybdis originally wanted to uh, plan out starts to take shape. As you two are having this conversation in the hallway, almost as soon as it ends, everyone else is filling out into the hallway to uh, head to the meeting room, as you said, Charybdis? Yeah, it's 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 really a, th- uh, a throne room uh, sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's where it's where the head of the family holds court. Uh, but Charybdis does not like calling it by that title because, in her opinion, it sounds too much like she holds um, some sort of higher position than everybody, and that doesn't sit well with her. Yeah, though, uh, as you're all sort of making your way towards the meeting room, uh, you see Benji come out of the room with uh, where uh, Serena was, and he... Uh, like, she doesn't follow him out, and he nods and goes, walks up to Charybdis and goes, She's resting for now. It might be best to at first not talk about it around her, so... Again, after this meeting, preferably. Uh, she says nothing but nods at him. And he, like, straightens his posture, holding his arms behind his back, and just sort of lingers at the back behind everyone else with, uh, Arthur and, uh, Malkuth. As um, as Charybdis enters the room proper, she uh, she takes her her spot in the Grand Inquisitor's seat, and uh, uh, th- this room I kind of envision it as being set up like a very stereotypical courtroom, where like you know her seat is like on a raised platform, sort of in the middle, and um, there's um, seats to her left and right that sit slightly lower, uh, and then there's a um, there, there's several benches uh, on either side of the room, uh, and then some more seats that kind of fill out in front um, for, like, you know, an audience, basically. Um, but yeah, she she takes the center seat and then waits for everybody else to um, sit where they will. Yeah, I think the... Uh estate staff just sort of sits off in, like, the benches that are, like, on the forest outsides of the room. Yeah. Just make sure that everyone goes alright. Hmm. But does everyone else take a seat? Walks in. 
And we'll take a seat near the staff, yes. I think uh, Lady Reverie walks in a little bit after, like 30 seconds, giving him some space. Um, and if there's a seat, she will sit. Uh, Winfrey, Maria? Uh, I'm just gonna go into the meeting room, there's nothing. Yeah, Maria would have been sat down, probably, and that's where she stays. Still drunk off her ass. <laughs> yes, if it's all the same to everyone else, Winfrey would stand so that she's taller than everybody while they're sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Stands on top of a chair. She likes to be tall. Is why, is the, why is the warlock standing on a chair? She likes to be tall. Booster seat. <laughs> um, once everybody is in the room and seated, Charybdis will, um, will kind of lean forward and say, My guests, family, staff of the Mobius estate, We've received very troubling information. And, um, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Charybdis basically addresses everybody and lets them know about the, um, the dragon attack and what they had found and, um, kind of yada yadas over the part with the drow, but, um, does point out that they had collected a uh, identities from the people at the outpost and how they were researchers and everything. Um, yeah, just kind of going over information that everybody in the party would already know. Um, before she sits back and says, I have sent word to the proper authorities based on the information we have gathered today. Both Ambassador Frey and Lucas Stonewall. Hopefully we can get this situation resolved. Until then, all members of staff, those of you who live here more full time, are confined to quarters until we can sort out where this dragon is. Until further notice, we should be ready. In case it attacks here, make sure the emergency areas are well stocked and prepared. I do not know what manner of dragon this is or how powerful it may be, but it is indeed a dragon, and frankly, that is all of the information that I need. I now open up the room for questions, comments, concerns relating to these issues, proposed solutions going forward. Colonel Harris was sitting very haphazardly, not one to observe uh, formal etiquette, but it gets kind of annoyed seeing that nobody else is like him observing formal etiquette as his sister speaks and will then sit up quite properly and raise his hand and say, Aye, Grand Inquisitor. Yes, Colonel Harris. 
<clears throat> hmm. What do you propose we do about the dragon assault, aside from preparing? She looks down and kind of gives a deep sigh and says, To be honest, this is the sort of threat that I had hoped I would never have to face in my lifetime, and especially not in my position as Grand Inquisitor. As all of you are, I'm sure, aware, this is merely temporary of an arrangement while we eagerly await the return of Soros. I cannot see any way of us taking care of this threat of oursel uh, ourselves in our current state. We must act defensively and carefully. Aye, Grand Inquisitor. And he once again sits up and raises his hand. She just kind of like raises an eyebrow and says, Proceed, Colonel Harris. And uh, what of the news of this mysterious land, Rorindel? Have you had any luck in the archives? Has Colonel Harris had any luck in the archives? Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Colonel Harris, when you you search through your library quite diligently, and everything that's come up seems to be when you are having when you all are having that discussion back in Firefall about how most tales of Rarndell come from a non uh, come from a fictional sort of sense. Uh, this was further proven by looking through the books in your library. Every mention of Rarndell is in some sort of grand tale. Um, and it, like, again, like it's a story passed down by word of mouth. Again, drawing comparison to, like, in our world, the city of Atlantis. Every, every time someone talks about it, it's just a story. Or maybe Camelot. You know, stuff like that. It all seems like Something that didn't happen, but it's a story told so many times that it's had that proper development. However, Colonel Harris, you did get that for sure thing that that tale about the mouse that goes to fight a dragon is literally worded the exact same way in every story. Because the tales of Rarendel are usually told, it's never the subject matter of the book, it's just ever so often in a series of mini stories you'll hear one about Rarndell and the story of the mouse that goes to fight the dragon is in some of those stories every single time written the exact same way every single time word for word comma for comma period for period and that's strange considering all the writers of these books were alive at different times some are dead some are unrelated none of them are related in any way all of them are for different places at least one of them is from a different continent. But all in all, every time that story is retold, it is the exact same. And it's not like one of those things where it's such a simple story that it can only be told in so many words. It's actually very elaborately written. It is a very eloquent story. It is a very paced story. It is one of the longer stories in each of the books. Hmm. Anomalous consistencies across numerous works. Clearly, uh, through cross-referencing them, the tale of the mouse and the dragon can be verified in some amount 
I believe we will need to speak to the Crowleys to progress the search there. I believe you are right. It's a bit late to be sending word now. I believe it would be more fitting to visit the Crowleys at their estate. What say you? Aye, Grand Inquisitor. I concede. In the meantime, this expedition, this finding Rarendel, must be put on hold. I will not leave license while my homeland remains threatened by such a terrifying beast. Oh. <laughs> uh, Colonel Harris, like, visibly chokes at that. Um. <laughs> but clears his throat and says nothing. As it so happens, now addressing, you know, non-party members in the room, in our travels, my brother and I have picked up quite a talented band of adventurers. Winfrey McNeil, Aye. You're quite accomplished and seem to be very set on treasure and profit. What do you think of all of this dragon business? Well, if you're asking me seriously, I'm going to answer you seriously. I've lasted longer than, or I've lasted a bit as long as I have because I don't go near things like dragons usually. If it were up to me, I wouldn't be going anywhere near it. I see. Maria Day, what about you? Um, Winfrey, do me a favor and slap me. I, uh, it's not, you know what, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Winfrey, make me an attack roll real quick. <laughs> okay, sure. No matter what it Slap the drunk out of her. Uh, that's a twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You take zero points of damage though, because my strength is negative one. <laughs> yeah. Unless, was... oh wait, no. Sorry, it's finesse, so you take three. <laughs> yeah, you take three points of damage, Maria, and uh, whatever you wanted that slap to accomplish, absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, she's gonna straighten up and like kind of fix her um, top a bit and lean back, rubbing her hands on her um, pants. Be like, fighting a dragon anywhere close to now is not a good idea, and I will stand by that. I'm pretty sure other people that are more equipped to handle this will take care of it. Your counsel is appreciated. Lady Reverie. Uh, Lady Reverie um, has been keeping her rapt attention on you the whole time. Um, <clears throat> looks over up at you um, and says, Well, I don't have a lot of experience with dragons per se. I do have some experience when it comes to when it comes to organizing people to defend themselves, but I'll be honest, there's people who are better than I am. If you want my honest opinion, 
I think that if we're going to go after a dragon, we're going to need much more of a plan than anything I can currently think up. So I guess we start there with planning. Much more interested to know what you have to think. And leans back. Then I shall continue to my proposal. As far as we are currently aware, the only dragon attack that has happened is against the outpost that we passed on our way here. But I sincerely doubt that is the only place this dragon has struck. I propose we either gather intel on this dragon's whereabouts, where it could be hiding, and where it could strike next, or at the very least, verify that it is not a continuous threat to license. In achieving either of these, we can re-examine and move forward accordingly. And if we deem it as no longer a threat, then I will be comfortable leaving. Chrono Harris has a sudden memory of when they were both about seven years old, a spotted cat got stuck on the tip of one of the towers, the very tip, and it would not come down. Um, Krim just was actually set to leave for a uh, banquet of sorts, a little s southern of license. But seeing this, even as Chrono Harris said he would make sure someone got the cat, she absolutely would not leave. Uh... She was then tested, and after three months, um, somebody finally went and got the cat who had been hand-delivered food up until then. And um, <laughs> with this almost dead look of resignation in his eyes, he says, uh, I, Grand Inquisitor. Very well. Now, let's talk fortifications. Arthur. Do we have in our storehouses that can prepare us for an, for an attack? Oh, well, your sister had some weapons that she used for training, and I know that Benji is at least equipped with some of them. Ah, uh, I'll be using magic, Arthur. Oh, he says he'll be using magic. We also have some... few warding enchantments commissioned specifically by your brother that we could use at any given time. Uh... We also do have contacts with the guard of Winter Winterbane that they could, well, we could petition them to stop by the estate. Not inside, looking at Colonel Harris to ensure that he does not want to let random people into their house. Uh, but to at least check the parameters more often than they already do. Instead of one monthly checkup, maybe they check once a week to ensure that the estate has not been harmed. We still have the outpost on the outskirts of the estate itself, correct? Outside of the walls, but still close enough for guard? Yes. Ask for a detachment to be sent. House them in the guardsmen's quarters for now. Yes, my lady. If we were to lock down completely, with our current supplies, magic not included, how long could we last? Oh, well... Probably about five to six months. It's reassuring, at least. Normally the estate houses more people, milady, but since uh, recent affairs in your family, that has not been the case. 
Have we heard word from the other branches of the family? I'm afraid not. I wonder if it's even worth sending word at this point. Very well. Benji raises his hand and goes, I would like to bring something to everyone in here's attention. Speak freely, Benji. What is it? I examined your friend. Um, I looked- she told me that she had had other magic users look into her case. Um, she told me what they did. There was a few things that I believe some of the other doctors might have missed. I took it upon myself to see if I could manually find the memories that she has misplaced. I am not a super powerful magic user. I know a few tricks here and there, mostly that help in aiding or stabilizing people. I am no cleric. Uh, however, when I went to go digging, I, uh, and you see he's had a cloth over his hand this whole time, for everyone else's reference, but you see him remove the silk cloth and the palm of his hand is severely burned. Obviously, since he is a doctor, it's been stabilized and cleaned and whatever, so it looks like it's on the way to recovery already, but... You can tell that this is a very, very bad burn. And he goes, There was some sort of protection inlaid into her, and I got past it, which I believe any other doctor couldn't even find it, but when I got past it, any sort of memory she had of where she's from has been forcibly and magically removed. Entirely. They do not exist. They are not inside her head or even within her body's own magical what-for wavelengths. The memories that your friend Serena ever had have been forcibly stripped from her. She will never be able to access them again. D I'm afraid to say that your poor friend is a husk of who she once was. She has no childhood. She has no parents. She has no siblings, no home. There is nothing. Let me ask you this, Benji. You're a well-traveled individual, and you were involved with the conflict some years ago. I was. If you were the type to find a place that didn't exist, where would you start? Well, I would look in places that Maybe that place didn't want me to look. However, I think that that's already a lead you got, considering that you're looking at storybooks. And that is not me making fun of you. He looks like mainly at, like, everyone else in the room that he doesn't isn't personally acquainted with. I'm saying, I think you're on the right track in looking at things that are considered unconventional for research. Hmm. Uh, DM, do we happen to have a map of the entire world? You have a map of Kelmera on the wall of the meeting room. But I mean, like... Just, like, the entire, like, planet, basically. Yeah, you would. It's not as... It's not as detailed, you know? It's like looking at, like, a topographical map of... The Earth itself. A lot of things aren't labeled. Uh, mainly because the continent that would appear on, like, the top left of a printed map... Just... 
That's the most undeveloped one, and that's just because anyone from Kelmer doesn't fucking go there. They know it's up there, they don't go there. Okay. Um, but the Tri- the Tri-King Triangle is aptly labeled, and so is Kelmer itself. Could, could we- could we get that map in the proper channel, perhaps? Basically, what- what Charybdis wants to do now is, um, take a copy of that map, and then just, like, essentially start narrowing down places where it would make sense to have an entire missing continent, geographically. I, I think Charybdis would, like, just, you know, send one of the less important servants to, uh, fetch a copy of this map, um, from the archives, and say, I suppose that, depending on how urgent this Rorindel business could be, Perhaps if we get the estate to a point where it could survive in our absence, that would be good enough. But I'm still very concerned, nonetheless. Map is in map channel. Um, who uh, on our staff seems to be like the smartest when it comes to like geography and stuff like that? <laughs> I mean, I hate to. I mean, obviously Chrono Harris, but <laughs> yeah. If you're talking not player character, probably Benji, and that only comes from the fact that he's probably the only one on your staff that is not from Kelmra. <laughs> Chrono Harris, Benji, I would appreciate it greatly if the two of you would take some time this evening while we're waiting to hear back. Examine this map, figure out what locations would be most likely for a continent to just vanish in. If you would, please. Hi, Grand Inquisitor. Uh, uh, elbows Benji. Benji chuckles and, like, looks at uh, Colonel Harris. Uh, very much, like, in a very, like, calm and friendly way. But it's very obvious for anyone else that Benji has a lot of respect for both the twins, but then also reveres them in a more friendly way. And he goes, to the library then, Colonel Harris? Indeed, Benji. And Coon Harris will stand and head back to the library. As for the rest of you in the room, anything pressing? Then this court is adjourned. And, uh, Charybda snaps and the, uh, sound of a gavel rings out through the room, um, as she dismisses everybody. Uh, quickly, cause I'm gonna yada yada through this part, uh, Colonel Harris. Colonel Harris. Make me a survival check. Alright. Since Benji is helping me? Yes, you can do it with advantage. Thank you. That is going to be... Ooh, I'm going to reroll that. There we go. Alright. Ooh, not good though. There's going to be a 17 total. Pardon everyone here. This is going to be a long-winded explanation where I'm going to edit in a bunch of funny bits of telling the DM to shut the fuck up. <laughs> but Benji and Krona Harris. So you kind of look at the map and understanding the way the weather and everything works and the thing and everything about between the countries and everything that goes on that you would gather that Based on stories, Rarndell in fiction is once considered a part of Kelmra, meaning that it would have to be near 
home continent, meaning it is not likely that it is between any of the other large landmasses. That is including Frumal, the Tri-King Triangle, and Teardrop Isles. It is more likely that it is on the side, and I know the world is round, but like in terms of like sea parted seas and considering what is constituted as being Kelmer's territory, that where I circled in here very prettily in blue, it's lovely, isn't it? That that would have to be based on everything you know about how nature and how country borders and how the history of Kelmra is concerned would have to be where these places were, especially also describe in what the stories describe Rorindel's climate to be like, even though you can't really get a sense of what Rorindel is supposed to look like as a country. Because again, it's all children's stories, so they're written like children's stories. But where I've circled, that would have to be where you guess the quote-unquote locations of Rorindel are, which still doesn't narrow it down too much because that's just a bunch of open fucking ocean. As far as any of you are concerned. Like, especially since everyone has gone on boats to get across different countries. I mean, across, yeah, through across different countries by going around the continent. And you've never run into a landmass yet, so again, if Rorindel ever did exist, those are the places that it might be. The three spots. Hmm. Uh, since it specifically pertains to how Chrono Harris would want it to be himself, can he perhaps entertain the theory that Rorindel would not be on this this plane or planet at all? That part, you're not quite sure. Because it would be very easy to say that Rorindel is just on another plane of existence. That would be really easy to say. And then at that point, Rorindel, quite frankly, wouldn't be your problem. Because the overall generalization of Rorindel is that... I don't know how to explain this in words that make sense. The case of its disappearance and whether it's an otherworldly place is something that would just... That would just be the easiest solution, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's like the Occam's razor. Yeah. Like, to just say, oh, it's just on another plane of existence and that's why it disappeared, that would just be the easy answer and more than likely not the true one, if that makes sense. But the simplest answer is most commonly correct. Uh, what, what leads Krona Harris to believe that the simplest answer cannot be correct, then? It's in the fact that all evidence points to either, again, it never existed at all, or that it's something not hard to access, if that makes sense. If I may, I know my, my character isn't there, but if you'll indulge me. Um, is it possible that the continent itself is magically protected such that if you were to, say, sail within the borders of where the continent would be, or at least close to it, you're like basically teleported to the other side? Could it be something like that? I, don't, I, I think, if I'm correct, it's like we have very little information, and going purely off of maps and the, the Barnum description we've received, it would have to be, if it existed, and if it were not like that, it would be there. And beyond that, we can't tell anything. 
Yeah, it, it's basically the fact that any conclusion you come to based on, like, what happened to it or why you can't just see it right there is purely hypothesis, not backed by anything. That's fair. At the very least, it narrows it down from the entire fucking ocean to just small <laughs> parts of the entire fucking ocean. Yeah. Like, you definitely know that Rarendell had to have been close enough to be a part of Kelmra. Got it. Um, cool, cool, cool. So you said it would take, like, an hour or two to get from the estate to Winterbane. Um, now that was with our horses or whatever, but I assume any couriers that we would send out would have something like that as well, yeah? No, yeah. They're not gonna walk there. <laughs> so how, how, how long would we have to wait to hear word back from them, by an estimate? The couriers or the cities, respectively? The cities. Uh, you would, considering, you know, the fact that government places are a little wishy-washy about their response, it would pro you would probably get a response next morning. Okay. If we decided to skip that far. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, barring anybody else, um, pulling Charybdis to the side or, like, trying to talk to her, um... I think I think she's gonna start heading to her room at this point. Does anyone stop Charybdis from retiring for the night? Nah. No. Anyone else have anything they want to conclude or do before I assume we just take a quick long rest? Yes. What's up? At some point, when free in the bar, you would receive a word from Malkuth that Chrono Harris had called you to the library. Alright, Winfrey's gonna go to the library, I guess. <clears throat> uh, as you get in, the door is a little ways away from Chrono Harris's usual workspace. So, as you go in, you see him and Benji working heartily together. And Benji scribes a little something on one of the maps they're looking at and he uh, brings Chrono Harris' attention to it and as Chrono Harris looks over he, uh, <laughs> he actually starts to laugh but as he sees you he very swiftly stifles it and <clears throat> clears his throat and resuits himself yes Winfrey hey, you spoke about an experiment and he looks over to the very out of place kitchen arrangement Says, uh, and you see, uh, how many can I make? You see a whole lot of those little blue moats upon it. Hmm. You're giving me access to a kitchen inside of a library. It is my personal laboratory. Hmm. Yeah, don't when... know how I feel about bringing food near books and whatnot, but... Yeah, Winfrey, upon further, like, looking at it, the kitchen that Chrono Harris has set up in here, while out of place, is actually very nice. I mean, like, it has an island set up, and, like, it's not close enough to the, the shelves where, like, you could easily... 
You can tell that this was very perfectly calculated to make sure that this kitchen did not disrupt the library, but had was easy access from the library. And it's very nice. It has its own island. It has a lot of counter space. It has a lot of storage space. Hmm. It is rather fancy for being a kitchen shoved into a library. Yeah, it's covered in flour and other shit right now. Uh, Coronavirus is not that time to clean it. And there's like multiple partially eaten sandwiches on it. <laughs> yeah, there's three plates. One plate has two sandwiches. One plate has one sandwich that's half eaten. And then there's just crumbs on the last plate. Yeah, all of them are partially consumed and like very clearly grabbed in different places. As if someone began eating them and forgot it was there and started consuming a different sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Cornelius will snap, 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 prestigitation, clean it up. You can use it so long as I am here to supervise you. Well, all right then. Yeah, he'll, uh, Benji, can you scribe this, you know, back and forth? And then Cornelius will get up and stand in the kitchen to watch what everyone free does. Um, okay. Winfrey, between wisdom and intelligence, what is your highest stat? Between the two of them, wisdom is better. Do you decide to indulge in doing the little moat experiment you previously? Yes, and I'm okay. going to ask him uh, a couple of things. I'm going to say, well, since you have me in here by the time everyone's already going to sleep, I suppose what I could do is see if I could fix something up for tomorrow morning. By all means. Do you have any buttermilk? Yes. It's in the... Well, it's a futuristic little gadget right here. He uh, opens a door, and there's a <laughs> solid sheen of ice um, on these stainless steel walls, and then some racks. And he reaches way into the back and pulls out the buttermilk. All right. Hmm. Well, then I think I can work with uh, the rest of what I've got in here. And I'm going to attempt to throw together some flour, sugar, buttermilk, uh, salts. Probably, like, something that could equate to baking powder and baking soda. Joey, and make gonna... me a performance check, but... Okay. Um... I think, I think it would be add wisdom. Well, this would this would probably be a cooking utensils check. Cooking utensils? Do you have those? No, I have survival. Because I thought that was the cooking skill. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think yeah, make me a survival check. It is surprisingly enough only a fourteen. Yeah. So considering that you have to use your a lot of like new ingredients i would say it does take you a little longer to whip up this recipe you have to try maybe like two three times but the third time you know this phrase seems to work in a lot of places third time is the charm because the third you were gonna make a pie right that was the original thing i'm remembering well since everyone's in bed it doesn't make much sense to make dessert right now so i'm trying to make pancakes i love that 
That's why I asked for the buttermilk. <laughs> yeah, so again, after... They're better. No, this helps a lot. So, like, the first two tries, the batter just is not cooking well. It makes more of, like, an ugly, bad-tasting crepe that can't flip or fold properly. But then the third try, you do something a little different, and you make this, like, very consistently good batter. Uh, it's not, like, gourmet, perfect, amazing, but, like, it's pretty good, and you honestly feel like if you made the recipe more than once, you could perfect this into, like, god-tier levels of breakfast food. But, uh, you make some motherfucking goddamn flapjacks Woo! out of this new Everybody recipe. And, you know, you try one, and it is goddamn delicious for being a brand new recipe that you made in some weird scientist kid's kitchen. Well, I must say, I think... <laughs> These will probably keep us fed for an entire day, right? With the, what, uh, the magic-y stuff and whatnot. <clears throat> I have no idea. Cornhouse uh, reaches down and is going to rip a piece off and pop it into his mouth. And... Wait, if you'll allow me to DM, I did have uh, something in mind for this. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yes. So as he pops it into his mouth, uh, he seems to dissociate for just a split second... And as he comes back blinking, he uh, turns and begins writing in a little notebook that he's been uh, writing something in as you've been going. Hmm. I'm guessing I wouldn't be able to see the inside of this notebook. <laughs> um, hey. The world of academia is competitive in license. It's true. Plagiarism is rampant. Uh, Corner Harris also just doesn't like people looking at his stuff. So yeah, no. The pancake is there, though. Like, you drew it, or...? No, 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 like, he only ripped off a piece of the pancake you made. Oh, I see, I see. Well, is it good, or what? <clears throat> Try it for yourself. Already have me. But I can't no. take me on food, can I? Again. Food changes as time passes. I He ends it there, and he seems to be ready expectantly, as if he wants to observe you consuming the pancake. <laughs> You're a bit of a creeper, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say anything, he just blinks a couple of times and he's like pen ready. <laughs> Go on. I'm. You need to give me a second. What the fuck? Uh. So she's gonna like scratch her head confusedly, extremely confusedly, much like Joey is doing right now. Um, and then he, she's going to 
grab like I don't know she doesn't feel like wasting the one that he ate so she's gonna just like eat the rest of the pancake that he already had a piece of <laughs> yes as you pop it into your mouth and begin chewing uh just like that one scene in Ratatouille, you are brought back to a memory of delicious food. Which, what would that be for Winfrey? Delicious food in Winfrey's case? Probably something yeah. she made. Uh, she goes back to, to thinking of this um, really fucking delicious uh, cut of steak that she made. Um, basically a filet, but she wrapped the, um, the filet itself in like pieces of dragon tail. To add to a little bit of the fattiness of the meat. <laughs> yes, and as you do, uh, quickly you flash back, but you realize that the taste and texture is that of dragon meat now. And Chrono Harris is uh, <laughs> quickly writing. Spit it out. What? Spit it out. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, she spits it out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and um, his protests well, are quickly answered. Then, if you're gonna make me chew on some tender-ass pancakes, <laughs> as he looks down and sees that what Winfrey just spit out is a chewed-up piece of dragon steak. Where in the bloody hell? How oh, did you fuck? Whoa! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay, Winfrey, you can leave now. <laughs> You're gonna tell me what in the bleeding shite the fuck that was? I only have a hypothesis. Hypotheses as a scientific method goes into some observations. Give me something to fucking observe, you weirdo. Wow. Yeah, Cronhurst didn't understand a word of that, but he's going to assume you inquired. And, uh... Hmm. Well, my... Hypothesis is correct, and hmm. Uh, oh god, Winfrey, are you familiar with? Come on, baby, Winfrey, are you familiar with the principle of episodic memory superincision with magic chemical bonds in a dehydration or hydrolysis reaction using mobium or any other mobium akin element? Um, what's Morbium? No. It never got published, did it? Never mind. I, if I'm correct, after a certain amount of cooling, a certain bonding effect takes place within the Matrix. I structured these moats off of brownies, a very simple dessert, but they have only the sugar and the carbs which then get cooked and broken down and reform again. Uh, sorry, essentially, these pancakes may be able to call food 
from one's memories. Well, no, why in the bloody hell would you want to do that? I made some perfectly delicious fucking pancakes and you're going to eat them or you're going to hate it. What language are you speaking? We're both bloody speaking common now, ain't we? Oda <laughs> 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 Harris dumbfounded and like, are we? It's like you need to get the cotton taken out of your ears, Corona Harris. Benji, she's speaking in riddles again. Benji just looks up and he's like, looks up between the two of you and goes, I don't. He like looks at Winfrey like, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, those moats have been weird as fuck since the first time I ever tried one. Yes, I'll I'm, be keeping the pancakes. I'm pretty sure Benji speaks up. There's probably a way for you to eat the pancakes without that weird thing happening. Hmm? No, of course. Well, because don't your thing you would do, Bops. Benji's like flicking a pen because he's still trying to focus on what he's doing, so he's not speaking very eloquently. Don't those only last for like, doesn't the magical effect of those only last for a certain amount of time, so at one point they'll just become like chocolate chip pancakes? Well, you wouldn't need to, really. Uh, Chris walks up and he takes another bite and he chews it and swallows it and there's no dissociation. He spits it out and it's chewed up pancake. We're just yes. spitting out chunks of pancake right now. Alright, anyway, I'm going back to <laughs> map making. Anyway. Hmm. Based on my hypothesis of episodic memory superimposition with magic chemical bonds and a hydration or hydrolysis reaction using mobium, you can render these inert pancakes simply by clearing your mind as you consume them. What he said. So anytime I want to make some food using one of your little berry things, I gotta start meditating before I put it in my mouth. <laughs> no, just don't think about anything. What if I'm thinking about delicious pancakes? Then it'll probably taste like delicious pancakes. <laughs> As oh, you say this, like, <laughs> his eyes light up. What if you think about delicious pancakes? And he goes and he, he takes another bite of the pancake and he chews it up for a bit. Benji gasps and goes, Colonel Harris, you've basically made the food equivalent of shifting tea grass. <clears throat> and uh, as he turns to go and speak with food in his mouth, <laughs> um, what comes out is like flour and sugar and buttermilk. Me. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Further testing is required. Winfrey, get out of here. Yeah, before we before we go to morning, I'm assuming Benji, while flipping through books, goes, uh, Corona Harris, I don't think you'd be able to get a hold of these individuals every time soon, but maybe once you gain a reputation for doing fantastical bullshit with your little motley crew, maybe you'll want to get in touch with the Mir family. Hmm. Why know? is that, Benji? Well, they Look own- the after me. Well, they own all of the magical libraries in Kalmra, which I know you don't like thinking about that part, considering the library in Winterbane is owned by the Mears, and they're very hard to get a hold of, but... You know? Maybe if you ever find yourselves in Northreath on your little investigation, you can stop by. Ask them a few questions. Well... I'm only... Oh, go ahead, my bad. I imagine they wouldn't let me in there either, but it's certainly worth a thought. Thank you, Benji. You and your sister airheads, the both of you, and I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing we go into the next morning. Is there anything else that anyone wants to do? Cry a little bit. <laughs> Cry a little bit. Only a little bit. Your poor pancakes. Uh, that's gonna be able to eat them, and if they do try to eat them, some random poor dragon's tail is gonna get summoned from the recesses of their mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I feel like what would happen with Lady Reverie is she would put it, she would put the food in her mouth, but there's no thoughts going on, so she just never gets nourishment from it. She's fucking thinking about nothing all the time. Just, it just no. tastes like water. You, it turns to ice. You're chewing on ice. You're anemic. Stop that. Crunch, crunch, <laughs> crunch. Charybdis would probably just think about the last time she ate pancakes because she fucking loves pancakes. In the morning. Pancake your pancake. Uh, at some point, everyone is called by the servants down to the the dining room. And it's, you know, large, lavish, abandoned, yada, yada, yada. But at one end, there are six stacks of pancakes. And Corona Harris does not look like he slept very much last night. <laughs> and he has a notebook and a pen. And he is sitting a little down the way, uh, wearing <laughs> protective gear. Good morning, everyone. Did you... Sorry, uh, Chas, um, before we complete the long rest, but after Charybdis wakes up, so we only have to technically sleep for six hours, um, Mage Armor Extended Spell. Okay. Yo, brushing your teeth before you wake up? Let's go. <laughs> what Mage Armor is, it's just applying toothpaste and mouthwash directly to your teeth. Flossing, gotta make sure you floss. Yeah, for sure. If we're doing quick flashbacks as well, Lady Reverie would have made sure that Maria got to bed safely. 
But yeah, she couldn't make it to bed safely. Winfrey'd smack her again. (laughs) 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 Gotta charge up our elf. Black. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like when your TV is only doing like white noise static. So you fucking slam it a couple times, then you adjust the antenna, and then you realize that you probably didn't need to adjust. There probably didn't need to punch it. You could just adjusted the antenna. But yeah, you gotta slap you Maria a, a few times and time, readjust so. her fucking pirate hat to get her to start working again. That's that's all right. No, that, that's 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 too adorable. We gotta back it up. I'm still supposed to be in hatred mode. You're just the, the little feather on top. You're just moving it around. Yeah, that's, that's too. That's too wholesome. Yeah, uh, this is supposed to be evil, and now you're making it laugh worthy. And then you slap her. <laughs> yeah, like you no, pretend. Now it's like, never mind. You pretend to be sweet, and then whack. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, the issue yeah. is that I know somebody's into that, and it makes it less fun. Anyway. <laughs> No, let's go down that hole. Let's talk about this more. (laughs) Don't actually say that we did, maybe? What if all the elves had pancakes? (laughs) What happens to Charybdis? (laughs) Charybdis, instead of taking one bite of pancake, it feels like you've taken three. (laughs) (laughs) She, like, swallows and, like, has an expression of surprise and says, these are some very thick pancakes. <laughs> and then keeps eating. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're meant to fill you up, ain't they? Also, did you take my recipe? You wrote that shite down when you were looking at me, weren't you? Hmm? Oh. <laughs> if you show me your patent, I'm happy to forfeit it. Oh, I like you least of all. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> we agree, then. And uh, Crota Harris writes Charybdis, under a little column that says Charybdis uh, Control Group. Oh no. <laughs> oh god. Lady Reverie will go over and say good morning, Krona Harris, and we'll take some pancakes. God, Cribdis is gonna be like 7,000 pounds by the time fucking Krona Harris is done with her. <laughs> As uh, <laughs> Lady Reverie consumes the pancake, uh, what what memory comes from flushing back? Oh boy. Hey, Chas. What's up? All what right, memory so- does Runner have? So, you get a flashback to this one morning. You literally see a flashback of a of a tiefling woman, an older tiefling woman that kind of looks like Runner but isn't Runner. Um, you get the impression that that would be like her mom, maybe. And then you see her place down a handmade basket filled to the brim with like fresh blueberry muffins. Okay. When you eat the pancakes, you kind of get this like. You know those blueberry muffins that are usually from like a grocery store or like Starbucks where they have that crunchy layer of sugar on top? That adds yeah, a little the, bit of an extra on top. Yeah, that adds a little bit of the extra crunch to eating the muffin. It, it's like that. Nice. Um, when she sees this memory of her mother, um, do I, or assuming her mother, do I get any sort of emotion related to this memory? Warm but bittersweet. Okay. I won't pry any further, but uh, I will take a bite of pancake, and all of a sudden I'm chewing on streusel. 
assuming that 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 is what uh, Chrono Heroes gave me. It explodes your mouth. <laughs> oh no! Let me get my second no. character. Ready. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it just tastes like true salt. You're fine. Yeah, she's eating a blueberry muffin, but doing it with a fork because it's pancakes and seems to make. Looking at her, it's like she is not eating blueberry muffins because she doesn't even realize. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I'm thinking about blueberry like muffins and I taste blueberry muffins, so I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing, and it never it's crosses like her episode, mind. It's like that episode of the children's cartoon on Nickelodeon that was on for like 20 years, uh, where the um, that's a long episode. The the funny sponge <laughs> guy uh, throws a a muffin at his squid friend on accident, and it fucking explodes. <laughs> <laughs> that was um. <laughs> That was Coral Frank, uh, rectangular trousers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay, great. cool. Yeah, it's my favorite show. <laughs> Under Reverie, uh, Trial uh, One. Plankton Sun. Chrono Harris scratches down <laughs> some observations. Uh, just look like does Winfrey eat the pancakes? What happens? Sorry, Winfrey, Winfrey was opening her dinner. Um, yeah, she's gonna eat the pancakes. Winfrey ordered right. Panda Express. <laughs> Remember his last time? Like, oh shit, didn't know you were making food, sorry. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trial two. I write some stuff down. Does Maria partake in the pancaking? Uh... <laughs> yeah, and... It, like tastes like fish to her so she immediately like as she takes a bite she gets that fish flavor and she immediately just like opens her mouth and just like spits it back onto the plate and is like I think your food went bad and then she's gonna down some coffee <laughs> fish on also has notes in it so the coffee tastes like fish oh. <laughs> yeah is, uh, is fish out on top of pancake now uh, yeah, when she spits out the pancake, she spits out, like, a chunk of fish that has a little bit of bone in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, trial four. Yeah. Write some stuff down. Yeah, and Serena, uh, as you're all started sort of enjoying or lack thereof your breakfast, Serena walks into the room. Uh, she looks very, like, bleary-eyed, and she's yawning, and she goes, Oh, good morning, everyone. I'm sorry I could... Uh, uh, could not join you last night. Uh. It's okay. Whoa. Eat. Eat. <laughs> I'm sorry, DM. I would love nothing more than to progress the story, but did Maria just spit a fucking fish onto her pancake and we're all just gonna act <laughs> like that didn't just fucking happen? <laughs> no. And are we just gonna move on? Kurt Harris wrote it down in his notebook, obviously. Winfrey. Winfrey takes note of that mentally. <laughs> And then we all just sort of like keep like slowly taking bites off of a fork of fish pancake. Is that Reverie will look at you and be like, "Oh, what? What? That's weird, even for me." Charybdis Car- <laughs> uh, looks at the fish and says, "Oh, brother, you made them individually suited to each of us. How very considerate of you." Oh, that's not what he did, darling. <laughs> what are you talking about? This motherfucker. Winfrey. <laughs> Serena. Uh, eat. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> well, you're wearing like a fucking welding mask. Don't <laughs> 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 directly into the pancake unless you're wearing a welding mask. Go and you're on the entire page for Sarita. He hands over the plate of pancakes with fucking big ass iron tongs. Like a blacksmith. <laughs> He's wearing thick-ass rubber gloves, yeah. layered. He like a guy, mad scientist. And is that not what Corona right? Harris is? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Serena, like, grabs a pancake suspiciously and looks at everybody with, like, a weird... And she goes, are you playing a joke on me? No, eat. Uh, okay. And she, like, takes a bite of the <laughs> pancake and she, like... She, like, looks around for a second, and then goes, huh, pancakes, and continues to eat them. <laughs> why, why does she get normal pancakes, but I got, like, fish-flavored? I think, uh, I think at this point, um, Maria feels something jump on her lap as Tuck hops onto the table, rips off a piece of Maria's pancake, stuffs it in his mouth and then runs across the table and then like gets halfway across before he starts like gagging and then he just spits up like a just little pile of scrap metal just on the table. <laughs> oh yeah. damn, you're gonna fucking kill dogs with this. And you can see thick of bones and all of a sudden their stomachs will explode. <laughs> what? Wow. Uh, fuck. Come on, hey. Like Human experimentation is one thing. Animal cruelty? No. <laughs> I like that Colonel Harris draws the line at don't hurt the puppies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree with him full-heartedly. He's don't an hurt asshole, not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> He's a mad scientist, not an evil mad scientist. Colonel Harris uh, turns to the, the little column prepared for talk uh, <laughs> and sketches down again then he looks at it he organizes the servants he says um, okay uh, fish for Maria Benji you had that one and he kind of goes down the list and eventually he says like mm, Mr. Braun Yes, sir. Uh, no, he's announcing it. Okay. He, essentially, he had told the servants what he was going to do, and he allowed them to take bets on what each person would have. Benji, yeah. Benji chuckles, and he goes, I betted that Charybdis would just have double the pancake. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate, Benji, because it was actually triple the pancake. <laughs> you just had regular pancakes. I made them with love. And Winfrey's recipe. <laughs> yeah, and Serena is like I... poking at the pancakes with her fork and goes, these just taste like regular pancakes to me. It's incredibly disappointing. I mean, I guess there's a slight taste of coffee. <laughs> coffee Furious sketching. That sounds like she's just humoring him. Oh, actually, you know, I I think I taste cake. You know what? Now you say it. Oh my god, like, you won't believe this, but guess what? We pancake this morning. Good job, Crona Harris. <laughs> Crona Harris looks at like 
the cup of coffee Serena just drank from and slowly crosses out what he had written. <laughs> <laughs> and then he uh, begins expanding on another section for... What is it? Uh, unintended variables. Which point he takes off the PPE and... Um, all right. Got the PP. <laughs> uh, Serena looks at a lot of you and goes, "I assume you're making way to go visit." Um, and she's actually uh, cut off by a quick question. Before I continue with this, do the do Curtis and uh, Colonel Harris? Do you have an alarm system that kind of goes off whenever someone approaches, or is that your gate? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, in the middle of Serena speaking, that goes off. <laughs> Charybdis immediately uh, jumps to her feet, staff in hand, and then starts running for the door. Yeah, you get to the door, and you just see this, like, scrawny fucker standing at your gate, awkwardly listening to the noise, like, Hi! <laughs> Pommel of staff, uh, just up to him and says, Who are you? Uh, I have a message from Lucas Stonewell. Shrinks back into the wire sphere. Good, I've been expecting you. Come in. Uh, okay. He, like, looks at his, uh... He actually didn't have a carriage. He actually has a sleigh that's drawn by, like, giant dogs. Like, these big fucking, like, Malamute-looking sons of bitches. Yeah, as he walks in, Tak, uh, hops on him and pats him down for weapons. He has, like, a tiny dagger. That's, like, it's very visible. It's not like he's hiding it. Alright, you may proceed. You have a note for me? Uh, yes, I have a letter. She holds out a hand to accept it. Yeah, and he hands it to you, and it's a, it's a fairly large uh, envelope, uh, and it has a purple wax seal uh, with licenses uh, symbol on it. I'm gonna check it for traps. Uh, <laughs> make me an arcana check. Just Spectre of Chrono Harris giving a thumbs up. It's not trapped, as far as you can tell. Thank you, that'll be all. He, uh... As far as you can tell. Bows and backs away and gets back on his sled. And you hear, Ay! And then just dogs barking and the sound of him just sliding away. That is the most adorable mode of transportation I've ever seen in my life. She slams the door and opens the envelope. <laughs> when it opens... <laughs> oh, fuck. Um... There is nothing written on the paper. Instead, uh, what looks to be a visage of a man pops out of it. Um, the man is sort of like broad, he's like a broad-shouldered, slim face with like a crooked pointy nose. Um, his hair is like rather fluffy, but it's combed backwards, kind of swept to one side. It's like a little neck length. Uh, he has a... He has a little past stubble and facial hair. Um, and he's wearing, like, very nice robes that have a, a breastplate over them that has uh, licenses, uh, again, insignia carved into the chest. Um, and the man, like until the letter is opened all the way. It's just standing, like, the hologram, I guess you could call it, is, like, turning in circles as if, like, 
you know, like, loading. This obviously isn't technological in any way, it's like, a, it's just magic. And, uh, once you have the letter completely opened and are holding the paper still, uh, a voice comes out. Uh, hello there, uh, Charybdis Mobius. Uh, this is a pre-recorded magical message from me, Lucas Stonewell. I have received your calls about a dragon attack and I am having guards go investigate said outpost uh, immediately. We have also accepted your request to send multiple guards to go check on your estate more often than they already do, with the fact that you have also provided lodgings. Much appreciated. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Sir Victor Frey is very busy at the moment, and he said he would not be able to have an audience with a lot of you for the situation until about a month's time. Though it was not specifically requested, he does not demand of giving answers, but he plainly stated if anyone wanted to talk to him about it, they would have to wait a month. I am sure this is very frustrating, but I am letting you know that if you wish to speak to me about it, I have an opening for an audience next week during the city council, in which we can arrange any sort of means of dealing with it, and if your little merry band of interesting individuals, as uh, I would put it, is interesting in handling the situation, we can think of long-term means of payment. With regards, Lucas Stonewell. And then uh, you hear, not even coming from him, just see a uh, fold and unfold letter to repeat message. And then a puff of blue smoke goes, and then disappears. Okay, I'm gonna pocket the letter and reconvene with the others. Yeah, actually, everyone else, if you so choose, make me a perception check. I did go with, um, I don't know if you saw that in the chat. I didn't want to interrupt, but I went with Charybdis as well. So I saw him <laughs> jump up in alarm and was like, okay. Charybdis uh, turns to go back to the others and then just full face bumps into Reverie. <laughs> ah! Bonk. That was weird. Yeah, Maria and Winfrey, do you also decide to make the roll? Yes, I rolled a 19. Maria? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I rolled a 10. <clears throat> yeah, so Maria, you're too dumbfounded by the fact that you bit into a fucking pancake and it was fish um but Winfrey and Corona Harris you uh you heard the uh letter being spoken aloud from the main entryway so when Lady Reverie and Charybdis return <coughs> well I have good news and bad news what's the bad news the bad news is, we'll be having to wait a month before we can uh, speak to, uh, it was Victor, right? Yeah, Victor. Um, before we can speak to Victor. The good news is, our request for a garrison was accepted. They will be housed um, in our state's barracks, as, uh, as we requested. Um, so we'll be able to research more into this Rarendell situation in the meantime. Good. <clears throat> all in all, visit. Go all ahead, in sister. All much more helpful than I 
much more helpful than I originally anticipated him being, which is always good. What next, then, sister? So you visit to the Crowleys in order? Yes, I do believe it is. Everybody get ready. We're going on a field trip. Uh, Serena goes, oh, right quick. Um, I'm sure this was obvious already, but... You should stay here. Yes. As a matter of fact... Arthur. Yes! I'm assigning you to guard Serena perfect, uh, personally. With pleasure, milady. And she, like, her gaze meets his, and she says, personally. Which is something that she says when somebody is not permitted to leave the estate for any reason. Right. Serena smiles at, uh, she doesn't catch this sort of, like, silent communication, but she looks at Charybdis and she smiles and goes, I appreciate you opening your home to me, Charybdis. You're very welcome. There's a lot of danger about, so I recommend you stay here. Yes, you're right. You're in good hands, Serena. We'll come back once we've gathered information. Of course. In the meantime, my home is your home. Just for the sake of my sanity, please stay out of any places that just on a whim scream Chrono Harris to you, okay? Indeed. Thank you. Now, for the rest of you, she just shrugs and says, let's go? Yes. Uh, Benji, make sure everyone is at the carriage in five minutes. If not, have them trespassed. <laughs> Benji chuckles at this as well and just goes, All right, Grona Harris. Thank you, Benji. <laughs> and, uh, he's gonna go get in the carriage. Charybdis will as well. Can I ask a question? I guess I'll do this in person. Uh, Lady Reverie, when she gets to the cart, will say, is it worthwhile to go back to that excavation site and see if we can find anything else about the dragon? Because it's... I mean, they were digging up new things. I just feel like, I don't know, maybe they got too close? Or do we want to do that later? If at all? Later. With the level None. of investigation that my brother had performed when we first found the site, I believe that we have gotten all the information out of there that we can. Perhaps the detachment that will be sent there to investigate the place might dig something up accidentally, in which case we'll have plenty of time to look at their me mess afterwards. Well, I don't think we went in the excavation site, did we? We just went to the camp? Or am I misremembering? Well, the camp was kind of like snuggled up right along the mountainside that they were excavating. Mm -hmm. And to just jog memory, it was described that like their excavation was not fully started yet. They had maybe dug up a little bit of the stone out of the side of the mountain. Oh god, okay. I was, I had misunderstood. I thought there was like a full-ass cave system that they were like working in. Oh, it was um, But a, that they were up alongside it. Okay. It was that they were studying the entirety of the mountain itself. Gotcha. Starting by digging into the side of it. Yeah, you're fine. You're good. Um. Although, Reverie, you do make me wonder of something. Perhaps if that dragon did set up residence and license um, within 
recent time. I wonder perhaps it have, if it has found territory further up the mountain, maybe found some place to burrow in, take nests. If that is the case, then... Mm. Sadly, there's not much we can do about it. It would be treacherous to go there currently, not knowing the situation. Even if we are correct, even a newly nested dragon would be too much for us to handle on our own, I think. Is this a fair assessment, brother? Uh, Kronohers is clearly not happy to say it, but he concedes. Yes. Yes. Uh, Lady Reverie will look at you, Charybdis, and smile and say, Okay, I'm convinced. Very wise. Thank you. Charybdis uh, just rubs her forehead and says, I'm glad you think so. I feel I'm losing my sense on how to balance this nightmare. In any case, hopefully we'll get it sorted. Let's keep climbing. You're fine. So, you all head on out, and you're heading to... Nipple, nipple, nipple. You're going to Snow's Reach. North we go! You have to pass Icewind to get there, but... How much time? You may only reach Snowfell if you answer me these riddles three. Uh... Probably about a day and a half worth of travel. Can I cut that down with enhanceability? That is me accounting for enhanceability. Oh, fuck. Because you have to go... How many times would I have to cast it for it to be a day and a half? Uh, twice. What if I did it three times? Uh, I guess probably... it wouldn't matter because by that time the horses would probably need a break anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, Here, here is my proposal. How about we take it slow this time? Uh, because I feel that if we travel faster, we might draw attention to ourselves. Um, and just get to Snow's Reach at a normal travel pace. So that would take you about roughly two, two full days. Yeah, I figure if we're going to spend a day on the road, we might as well make it two at that point. Yeah. And that's mainly because it's not like there's, like, super high mountains. It's not even, like, the mountains you went around to get to where you were. But, like, there's more of them kind of spread out, so you kind of got to go... For sure. What do the rest of the players think? Sounds good. Huzzah. Alright. Going once. Going twice. Cool, it's unanimous. Can I drive the cart this time so Maria can play some music? I feel like Reverie is, is tired of riding in silence. And also doesn't is aware enough to know that more than half of the people on the cart aren't really jazzed about talking with her. If I've been writing up front with Maria, then and you're adamant about it, I can take the reins. I mean, if you're okay with it, she's not going to force you to do anything. And if Maria says no, then she won't. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with playing music if someone else wants to drive. I just did it because no one else apparently knew how to drive, so... I think we all know, I just don't know if any of us are proficient. Yeah, I'll take the reins. I'll even sit up front, rather than taking the reins from behind. (laughs) 
I think um, <clears throat> I think Charybdis would sit up front <laughs> with Reverie and like keep conversation with her while they traveled. Nice. Mm. Front seat's getting real crowded. <laughs> she tell Re she tell Winfrey to fuck off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she push Winfrey under the cart. <laughs> Not even just throw her off the side. Oh no. That's I, my angry Scotsman. I, I vortex warp Winfrey into the nearest ocean. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's probably no, fucking no. freezing too. I mean, as much as I hate short people. <laughs> wow. Damn. Wow. 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 There we go. We are creeping into a different friend group's inside joke. Anyway. Oh, um, hit me with a wow, please. So <laughs> Can I get a wow? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to sleep if you had we're, So, So we're traveling on the road. That's, mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Um, I would like la-dee-da-dee -dee everybody to give me a perception check. Bet. <laughs> Seven. He's... What was the what was the check? Perception. Seven. Perception. It's a natural one for a total of four. Uh, oh god! <laughs> holy shit! That's crazy because I got a twenty-one. So we, we know 14, we're fucked when Winfrey 14. has the best perception score. 14, 14, 21, 4, 7. Okay, <laughs> so Maria, Reverie, and. Winfrey, um, not anywhere near you. Um, you can tell this is from far away, but you hear the sound just sort of echoing through the trees and the mountains. Just a loud roar. Just sort of echo all around you. But you can tell that it's far off, but you can hear it from here. I'm sorry, I really- I didn't hear the noise that you made, so- I didn't make a noise, I said you hear a roar. Oh. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear the roar, okay. You're good, you're good, you're good. You're good. Ha! Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the three of you, as you're sort of going along- It's not a super silent drive, because Maria's playing music, but, you know, it kind of- uh, Echoes and then Maria actually throws off your playing and you're just like, hey, what the fuck? That's not the noise this is supposed to make. Ah, because it's not me making that noise. Got it. That's extremely rude of the noise. So anyway, Reverie, that was, um, yeah, that's how it happened. That was the time that Saurus accidentally pushed me down a flight of stairs. <laughs> Did you hear that? Hear what? What? You, you asked me, did I hear that? And I when? said, hear what? Oh. Great. Sorry you fell down the stairs. She has completely forgotten. <laughs> that will never cease to amaze me. You know, the three of you hear this roar sort of echo out throughout the entirety of the mountains. And then ahead of the cart, you sh this very loud sort of sound of like falling snow 
and everyone would hear this bit because it's almost immediately in front of you. And the horses slowed down. They don't start freaking out like they did the one time, but they do slow down, um, expressing caution. So I'm sorry, we just hear things ahead of us? We don't see anything? So a lot of you see, like, this sort of big pile of snow, like, sort of fall its way down a hill. And then you hear this rumbling... And then... You see this, the snow sort of, like, erupt, and you see this very long sort of creature crawl its way out of this mound of sand. Uh, and following it is another mound that sort of falls ahead of it, and also crawls out of the sand. And the two creatures look alike a dis. Hold on. Did I say sand? I'm fucking stupid. Snow. Two very different things. Two ridiculously- yeah, they spawn sand. You're in High Fryer now. Campaign's <laughs> totally different. You're welcome. No, I'm kidding. Huge. Huge. Oh god. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with large. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, we're leaving, bye. <laughs> uh, Leave the horses. Yeah, these two fucking, uh, younger- Ice salamanders just crawl their way out of the snow in front of your cart. Hey everyone, this is your DM Chas speaking, and thank you so much for watching the 17th episode of Rollbound. Rollbound's episodes will premiere every other Monday on YouTube and Spotify. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at RollBoundPC, for more updates, TTRPG content, and most of all, memes. Also check out our community Discord server for fun discussions, previews of our content book, and more. Link in the YouTube description or on Twitter. RollBound's content book, Chas's Guide to Kelmer, is also in the works and set to debut in early to mid-2023. Updates about that also on Twitter or our Discord server. Be sure to tune in next time as the party is accosted by adolescent but still very dangerous frost salamanders, a dangerous obstacle standing in their way of snow's reach and the Crowleys. See you next time.